We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Your boy Jack Manuel here for another Brooklyn Buzz, and I am joined by a very, very special guest, AJ of Nets Kingdom. AJ, how are you, my friend? I am doing well, man, and I just want to say I'm happy to be here on my favorite Nets podcast, oh, the Brooklyn on. Buzz, man. I love this podcast, so... Love you too, my guy. Love you too, my guy. Let's get stuck right into it because people are here for the Nets talk. And I just want to ask a very broad general question to you, AJ, about just the Brooklyn Nets in general. You know, of late, they've been up and down, a bit above 500, around sort of six to eight in the standings. They're around there, not really in championship sort of status as of right now. Where do you stand with the Brooklyn Nets as we speak? Uh, I think we're in a good place. I think we're in a good place. Like, uh, as this. And you posted a good tweet this morning that I saw a lot of people copy about the net statistics with the defensive rating. We're fifth in defense and the offense. I think we're in a, a great place right now. We're just trying to get it together. Um, if I want to be pick, you know, if I want to be picky, I, I just we got to work on our rebounding. I know we're one of the worst teams in the league with rebounding, and I feel like the worst team our, in the league. I the worst, the worst team. <laughs> the worst team. And then we got to work on our. Um, I think our offensive execution in the fourth quarter. And just the offensive system overall, it's it's just not the one right now. How you feel about it? Yeah, look, I'll, I'll reiterate those stats that you sort of alluded mm-hmm. to. So since November 1st, when Steve Nash was fired and Jacques Vaughn took over, the Nets are 11-7. and seven. They have the 10th best offense, the 5th best defense, the thir- the 7th best net rating. So that's pretty good. The offense hasn't been too bad. You know, their assist percentage, so the ball's moving pretty well. Sixth in the league there. I also believe that they're first in opponent e-field goal percentage. I think Doug Norrie of Locked On posted that one. And they're fifth themselves offensively. So the defense is really clicking. The offense is getting there what do you think is holding them back you know offensively because KD has been on one and we can have a chat about him you know for, for hours and hours on end but what do you think is when do the Nets look their best offensively what have you seen obviously maybe Ben Simmons being out hasn't helped that having not having the best three-point shooter in the league and you to what's might not help that either uh, where do you feel the Nets are offensively and what can get them to that you know, dominant force uh the problem I see with the Nets um well first of all it's we don't have a backup point guard, so I see the Nets. The best I've seen the Nets offensively is when Ben Simmons is there, um, and when our assists are above twenty plus, thirty plus. When he, when Ben Simmons is in the game and the ball is popping and moving, 
I think that's the that's when the Nets are at their best. Now we tend to fall into a lot of ISO, which I see a lot. And it's it's KD and Kyrie are great ISO players, but it's not the formula for the great offense because sometimes it can, the ball can get stagnant, and then we can we can and we turn the ball over a lot of times. So to me personally, like I said, when the ball is moving, we're up 30, 20, 25, at least 30 assists. I think that's when the Nets are at their best. Now, offensively, we tend to stack. We have stagnant movement. Like when Katie has the ball on the, on the, on the high wing, we kind of just tend to not, you know, cut. We tend not to go to the basket. Like no one's moving. It's a, lot, a lot of ball watching happens. And so they can hone in on Katie and Kyrie. And, and that can, it messes up our possessions. Yeah, I think ball moon and player movement, what you were sort of alluding to there, really help things. And Utah, you know, I'm a Utah Watanabe fan. I think everyone in Nets world is Utah Watanabe fan, whether they're with the Kingdom or with the Buzz. His cutting is, is low-key underrated. Ben Simmons creates those opportunities because we've seen, like, little moments with him and KD, him and Kyrie, where there'll be some backdoor cuts. You know, KD and Ben have had a couple of those really sort of nice plays. So I think it is underrated, Ben Simmons' absence, and thankfully he will be coming back soon targeting that Hawks game. So that's going to be a fun one to see him back. Yusuf Watsonabe hopefully a little bit later, and hopefully we see Edmund Sumner as well, who has been pretty good at... not He's not necessarily the, the floor general that we need, but in terms of a guy that's a, a better version version of the guard that the Nets need. He's been pretty yeah. positive as well. He's great so, in transition. He's great in transition. Yeah, you you put him, you put Ben Simmons out there, transition, the, the pace increases. You know, I think Nick was pretty high on and, and some of the stats allude to the fact that you know, the Nets didn't play that poorly against the Boston Celtics, but they didn't execute, as you were alluding to, in those transition opportunities, whether it's you know, transition threes, getting to the line, getting to the free throw line, whatever else it might be. But you know, they're a work in progress. You know, we're 20, 25 games in. No one's going to be perfect. And, you know, a, a lot of people have asked me some for some more of my stats and as it stands, according to 538, the Nets are projected to have a 44 and 38 record, a 70% chance of making the playoffs. Before we move on to some more specific Nets things, uh, AJ, do you think that that record is fair? Do you think that the Nets could be better than that? Obviously, this is subject to change. 70% chance of the playoffs seems semi reasonable. 44 and 38, I think that they could that's probably a low mark. I think that they'll be just above 500 as, as a low mark, but they could get close to that sort of 50 game mark, but not a lot of teams are projected for that anyway. I think there's like five or six teams, but in general, does that 44 and 38, you know, 82 game record seem fair? I think it's, we can be a lot better than that. I don't know. Cause I'm biased because I'm a Nets fan, but I feel like we could be a lot. I think we could hit that 50 mark at least. Um, now, if we take care of the games we're supposed to, if we play with consistency, you know, strings string a couple of wins together like we have been doing. We just came off the four-game win streak. I feel like we're going to at least hit that 50 mark. Um, you know, anything higher than 55-plus is, 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 a, is a great win for us. You know, it's a great, yeah. you know. And there's only, I believe, one team projected for that by the 538 uh, metrics, and that's the Boston Celtics. You know, the the next yeah. best team are the Bucks and the Grizzlies with 53 wins. So I'd take high 40s. You know, 50 yeah. is, is a really nice mark to aim for. And the yeah. Nets under Jacques Vaughn are, are trending in that direction. So hopefully we do string some wins together, take care of business at home, and you know, the little road trips here and there, and, and, and get a few wins that maybe... You know, were honorable losses early in the season. They just turned into honorable wins. But I wanted to ask, uh, you know, in re regards to Ben Simmons, the whole Ben Simmons and Nick Claxton conversation. Now, there are general stats that I will provide. I'll, I'll get those links open. But, you know, you watch basically every game. You're a big fan of both of them. 
how do you can they coexist what you know what is your ultimate question is there more nuance than it's just blatant yes it's blatant no let's get rid of ben you know build up his trade value let's get rid of clax he's no better than a backup what is the answer to this like pretty you know the pretty bearing question when it comes to the success of the nets i guess yeah and I, and I I know a lot of Nets fans kind of default to, oh, Ben and, and Nick, and we're not going to work. They're not going to work. But, like, you guys got to think about how basketball works. Like, Ben and Clack, they're going to be in the game. I think they can coexist, but they're not going to be, like, when you think about the Ben Simmons and Nick Claxton lineup, they're not going to be in the game the whole long. That's not how basketball works. You got to – the coach has to put in what he's feeling. You know what I'm saying? What what the game – you got to adjust to the game. You know, if Ben and Clax is working with it, because they're great defenders. They're great defenders, and they're good rebounders. So we can stop – we can – like, if we need a defensive stop, we can put multiple – we can put Ben and Clax together and get multiple stops. Um, now, I think if we have Ben, ben and Clax at the – sometimes they won't work, and the spacing um, is kind of hurt by that. And then, as a coach, you're supposed to adjust and put the right lineups in. You know, you either put Ben at the five – you put Clax at the five with shooters. You know, I think people kind of fall into like, oh, they see a couple possessions of us not scoring with Ben and Clax, and they blame Ben and Clax specifically. But sometimes they play well, and our shooters are not hitting. So it's like, is it Ben and Clax, or is it Joe Harris is one for four from three, Seth is one for six from three, you know, Yuta is not shooting well, like Katie and Kyrie are off. Like, you got to think about the multiple factors, you know. People just point to, oh, Ben and Clax, yeah, it, you know? <laughs> We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Exactly. It's, it's a, it is certainly a, a more nuanced conversation. And the numbers have shown that overall, not great, but under Jacques Vaughn, you know, they've played 94 minutes together as a duo, 118.8 offensive rating, 115.7 defensive rating for a plus 3.1. So, look, do the statistics under Jacques Vaughn mean that you know th- these guys can work ultimately? Because you know, plus 3.1 isn't incredible. It's sort of what where the Nets are at generally under Jacques Vaughn. I think that Jacques Vaughn's done a better job of sort of managing their minutes together and apart because. I think when Simmons is just make him the ball handler, so he's at the the high perimeter, as you sort of alluded to, with sort of Kevin Durant, and it allows KD to get easy shots. I think Ben is just a, a real, and it, but it's also like, well, overall the numbers aren't incredible either. So yeah, uh, it's it's, it's you know, with with Ben's passing because Ben is such a god given passer, so he's he has developed a little bit of chemistry with Clax right now. So he like has the back of his mind like when when Clax rolls, he knows where to throw it. You know, he knows where to hit him on the roll. 
Um, now, sometimes in possessions, do you want them closing the game together? Maybe not. You know, so if you need more, if you need a lot of spacing, if you need a shot, you need three pointers. That's when you kind of go away from it. But there are possessions in the game. But I've seen, like, I watched the Portland Trailblazers game. They put Ben and Clax in, and in the fourth quarter, we strung a couple of stops, and we ended up getting a win. You know, so it's like it works sometimes. I guess it depends on the team, and it depends on the opponent we play. So you adjust, you know, you adjust whoever you're playing. You kind of adjust. That's how I feel. You know. Yeah, I think adjustments, and for the most part, have been made by Jacques Vaughn, which has been somewhat positive. Overall, the numbers, 191 minutes together on the floor, 101.8 offensive rating, so the offense is not looking great. 117.3 defensive rating, so minus 5.5 overall. But that took into the early season struggles of Ben Simmons. Clax was really dominating. So it's probably somewhere in the middle, as we alluded to, the numbers under Vaughn and before Vaughn. So, yeah. look, it's, it's, a, it's a nuanced conversation, and I don't think there is a right answer you're not going to do it always against you know certain yeah. teams but in certain matchups for certain lineups for a, for, a, for different it works stretches certain, yeah it, it works, does yeah. because both the Claxton is an incredible defender Ben yeah. Simmons is, is an incredible defender and if you want to get a bit of size you know those Ben Simmons has been proving with his rebound and getting back to, to good marks but yeah it's a, a question that I don't think is as blatantly it's not black or white there are shades yeah. of gray plenty of shades yeah. of gray now we got to chat about Kevin Durant, uh, AJ, because oh, yeah. his season this so far has been just incredible, like truly, truly incredible. But like Jacques Vaughn, who continues to be asked about this, I'll ask you as well. Uh, do you have any semblance of worry about his workload and his minutes so far? I do. I do. I I know KD is leading almost a top. He's leading the league in minutes, right? I'm pretty sure. I believe so. Yeah. Uh, I think the workload is just. Sometimes I, I want games where KD doesn't have to come back in in the fourth quarter. You know, we're up a couple 20 or 15 points or, uh, you know, the Nets have trouble sometimes when he's on the bench. It gets kind of lackluster. And then we drop we um, we drop the lead and he has to come back in and push us back up. You know, those games that we have, those games, I wish he could just take that fourth quarter off a little bit and, you know, put less minutes because the more minutes is just a more recipe for. Um, breakdown later on in the season you know we saw last year they kind of not overworked him but he i guess you could say nash kind of threw him threw him to the ground like with with 44 however many minutes he was averaging and he ended up getting hurt but it's like you don't want that you know the less minutes i feel like the better i know the load managing during the nba fans i want to hear that but load managing during the NBA season is everybody does it. You know, we're going to need KD in the playoffs at his healthiest, at his 100%. So I'd rather him take the games off now than, you know, in the playoffs. Yeah, it's a marathon, not a sprint. You know, as exactly. the age-old adage is. And he's played 922 total minutes, which is first in the NBA. He's currently fourth, you know, 36.9 minutes per game uh, this season. So I think Royce O'Neal is up there as well. But, you know, in terms of what he's doing, it's like he is primely and firmly in that MVP conversation. I think a lot of people are getting blinded by the Lucas stuff and the new, the newness of everything. And, and yeah, maybe Tatum uh, as well and Giannis. But... Uh, what Kevin Rand is doing, I think two-way play is something that I'm really, really surprised about. And I'll continue to say that on, on the podcast because defensively for a guy that's coming, again, a guy coming off an Achilles injury, I'll throw the stats out there anyway, 29.9 points per game, 
on 59.4 e-field goal percentage, 91.8% from the free throw line. He's getting there a lot as well. You know, there's plenty of, of wonderful statistics that just show all the, the great things that he's doing. You know, 5.4 assists. He's, you know, getting a 6.6 rebounds. I think I want that number to be a little bit higher. But eight blocks getting back to the sort of defensive side of things now is it a noisy number of blocks you know, maybe but you know the nets the, the way that they play switching style of defense it requires engagement from guys on the weak side like kevin durant and he certainly is incredibly engaged on the defensive end now i'm not saying he's all defensive caliber og ananobi or Giannis Antetokounmpo, <laughs> but man he de- he deserves a bit of credit for it i think mate yeah, I agree. I agree. Like, Katie's so efficient on every level. You know, he's just one of the best scorers we've ever seen in the NBA in, in, in history. You know, and he gets to his spot. You know, if you want to be picky, I think he could... The three-point percentage is kind of down right now, but I think it's because we don't really... When we run our offense, we don't do a good enough job of getting him open looks. I mean, Katie is getting doubled occasionally, but we don't do a good enough job getting multiple screens, multiple down screens, getting him open, getting him open threes. Um, so I think maybe that's why and he's shooting not as well. I think this might be a, a low year for him, like 33%. Um, and then another thing is a turnover. The turnovers happen when Katie kind of brings up the ball, you know, and when we don't have a point guard. Now we think about the construction of the team. We don't have a backup point guard. So when Ben Simmons is not there and Katie has to be kind of the playmaker, we see more of a turnover issue. You know, his turnovers go up. And for the record, take- he... No, no. I've, we're nitpicking at one of the all-time greats. He's averaging three <laughs> point. Nitpicking. We really, really are. He's averaging three point four turnovers, which is actually slightly less than three point five last season. Um, and in yeah. terms of you know the three point percentage, it is down. You know, it's down to thirty three point nine percent, just around that thirty four percent mark, which is his lowest yeah. since oh, very, 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 very long there time. Are. It's his lo- lowest since his rookie he's season. Like in the forties, I'm pretty sure. Right? He, he is like that guy's yeah. like fringe fifty, forty, ninety. But I remember saying this on the pod, and I'm literally looking up the stats as we speak in terms of you know the open shots that he is getting he's not getting a lot of them like the, the and he said that you know when he was asked to report is like you know what's happening with your three-point message like i'm not getting any open ones and that's one thing that uh, look we're gonna sound like ben simmons stands on this podcast but <laughs> ben simmons is very very good at generating open threes only russell westbrook in before ben simmons came back was better than him in his tenure since he entered the league and he's been when ben is at his best and he has been really getting back into that hopefully he continues to be coming off the the knee and calf injury but it just it means everything you know you can just tell like you know uh, the, the the percentage isn't reflective of how good he actually is. He's so much better than a 34% guy. Oh, yeah. And it's yeah. more about how you're guarded by the opposing team. It's the the reputation. And he has one of the highest reputations in the league for, for the shooting that he does produce. He's getting blitzed every game. So I, I, you, know, you can understand it, you know. And I think, like you said, with the Ben Simmons thing, I think it's the value of a point guard. We have two generational ISO scorers. You, we got, you see the value of the point guard on this team. Like, we need a guy to put KD and Kyrie in their spots to get them open looks. You know, whether that's Ben, whether that's a backup point guard, we need that point guard. A point guard is a, a very necessity on this team, you know. For the record, he's only taking 1.9 open attempts from three, as NBA.com defines it. And in terms of, let me find the tight version of that. So tightly contested is a defender within two to four feet. And that number is at 2.2 attempts. So he, out of the attempts that he's taking, 
you know, the, there is a higher majority of he's being guarded on a, a more tight basis. Whereas Kyrie Irving is taking like 4.1 open threes. According to NBA.com. So his, given his passing, I think he's been pretty good this year. Sometimes I think it's about the, the type of defense that's on him. Like when he, he had single coverage, it's just over. Like, and the, the numbers at the rim, I think some, like, other people have been saying, like, in the high 80s, like, that's some, like, yeah. Nick Claxton, DeAndre Jordan shit. Again, he's taken, like, one <laughs> or two a game. Yeah. But every single facet of his game, offensively, other than that three-point shooting, and maybe the turnovers if we're going to be nitpicky, but I also do think yeah. that, you know, him having the ball in his hands, I'd rather have him have it than uh, a large... He could, we could speak for hours and hours and then uh, about him. You know, he's played pretty well at the center as well in, in sparing time. I know I think Matt Brooks tweeted out a tweet there. But overall, the Nets are plus 18.1s per plus 18.1 points per 100 possessions, sorry, which is in the 98th percentile when KD is on the floor. So when KD's out there, the Nets are incredible. It's just about, as you alluded to, getting that rest for him. Hopefully, TJ Warren getting his way into form helps that. Hopefully, you know, the, uh, having a full healthy squad uh, just allows us to lessen those minutes, lessen the total minutes, lessen the workload overall. But he's been incredible. Any any other KD thoughts, AJ, uh, before we MVP, get to some I'm other stuff? I'm just happy they put him up there. Like He should have been in the MVP candidate, uh, the latter. I think they just put him number seven right now. They should, yeah. I feel like he should have been in there with his numbers right now in our record. You know, the win streak, he should be up there in MVP candidates because he's playing at another level. And and it's it's also, like, despite the Achilles in his age 34 season as well. Like, there are a few players that have done this, like, ever. Like, it's your MJs, it's your, Le- your LeBrons. The fact that he's, like, aging like a fine wine and just he has a relentless drive and desire for work, you know, and he, he, his attitude to just being a hooper, we love it. And we're very, very okay. privileged. Very, very privileged, as I can see in your background, all your KD stuff there. I, very, feel, very honored. I feel honored to be, you know, like, KD is one of those, to, to have him on our Nets team, like, you just got to appreciate greatness, bro. You got to appreciate it. got to appreciate it. Appreciate greatness. Exactly. Exactly. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On Kyrie Irving, AJ, I wanted to touch on him a little bit because his return has been up and down on the court. I think he's still finding his footing somewhat. And you know, there's been, you know, some people putting out a video of him arguing with Jacques Vaughn, you know, some of his defensive lapses. Where do you think Kyrie stands right now? And he's had some incredible games also as well. You know, he's left Nike now looking to make his own imprint with his own probably shoe brand. I'm sure a lot of people will be drawn to that. But in terms of how he has been on the net since coming back after uh, the suspension, what are you thinking of his on-court production? Uh, I think he's still trying to find his way, still trying to find his rhythm in the offense. I see a lot of people, um, well, Jacques Vaughn, a lot of people were coming on Twitter and saying, like, Katie, they were messing with Kyrie's minutes. They were taking him out too long, leaving him out too long putting him back in in the wrong time, putting him in the wrong lineup. So I think it's still an adjustment with the offense. But the past couple of games, I've been liking what I'm seeing from Kyrie. I just feel like he needs to get to his um, his mid-range a lot more. 
Um, he settles for three sometimes, you know, too much. But I feel like if he gets to his mid-range, if he starts in that mid-range, because he's a great mid-range shooter, starts in that mid-range and then work his way out and then kind of playing within the system, I think that's the best for Kyrie. You know what I'm saying? Like, we can run. Sometimes when KD's going to get doubled without, you know, when we don't have our, our point guard and KD's getting doubled, we should run through offense through Kyrie at times, you know, to put him at his, um, to use him to his best capabilities, in my opinion, you know. I, I completely agree. And I, and I, I think... He is a three-level scorer. Him and Kevin Durant are true three-level scorers that can get to the line, that can hit in the mid-range, and are, are great three-point shooters. I love it when he's aggressive at getting to the line as well. Because both him and, and KE are pure basketball players, and what I mean by that is that they're, they're not James Harden, Luka Doncic, Joel Embiid sort of hunting for fouls. They'll go out there and just do things with an aesthetic that is just like, they're not going to get foul calls, and they should be getting a lot more foul calls for that for that matter. But I want him to continue to be aggressive, because I'm not saying that he's been like passive, but like there's just times where he's like giving up the ball a little bit too easily, and it's just like, yeah. my guy, you got like the, the right matchup, like attack it, go. Like you don't need to give the ball to Royce O'Neal for, for three or whatever or get let him create something. So that's just something to sort of, uh, I think that it's a not a mentality thing because I think Kyrie is always giving that effort. He's always like showing that respect to the game. And sometimes, especially defensively, and I'll just copy the, the words of Nick, he does too much. He wants to do too much. He wants to like go, nah, I got the, the big, man here it's like my guy like you can just switch under clax easily and let him just go go to like the corner so clax has got that matchup or he's doubling on a guy where it's just like is he really that good of a three-point shooter or in isolation scorer he just needs to be a bit more fundamental in his plays and i don't hate by like by guys trying and overexerting themselves it's just a little bit of like a a decision making sort of thing if, if that makes any sense he gambles. I remember uh, when I listened to the podcast, Nick Nick mentions that all the time. He gambles in the passing lane so many times, and that creates the possession. Like, uh, a man is going to be open if you gamble, and then it's going to create an open look or open shot for the other team. If, and if it's a good three-point shoot, three shooting team, it's going to hurt us. You know, it's going to hurt us. So it's like he shouldn't – some possessions on defense, he just got to be more locked in, like you said, fundamentally sound, toned in on his own principles, you know. Because he can he can play defense when he wants. Yeah, to. Kyrie yeah. Does, when he wants to, he can lock in on defense. Like people sleep yeah. on that, bro. <laughs> no, I, I I agree with it. I think he's underrated as an athlete in terms of yeah. like physically. Like he's strong. He has a, a good core, low center of gravity, quick hands, quick, quick hands, hands, definitely. And I, I just think that as you alluded to, because switching requires a team buy-in, a team collective. It means that everyone can't. If one mistake is made, it means that four other players have to make up for that mistake. And it's not just Kyrie. Like you know, Cam Thomas is a, a much bigger culprit of that. But uh, it just it ruins the system, so to speak. And the system matters in in, in five man basketball. But any other Kyrie thoughts before I guess probably what everyone wants to hear about AJ some some trade chatter. Oh man, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm. I'm cool with like I said. I'm just happy that Kyrie's back, and I'm happy that he's playing, and I'm I'm wishing the best. Like I hope he keeps, you know, just like you said, being aggressive, um, just being Kyrie, be you, Kyrie, you know. Yeah, exactly. And if we get the best version of Kyrie, the best version of Katie, the best version of Ben Simmons, that's going to be a tough team to beat. That's going to be a very very tough team to beat night after night. And you know, those guys haven't all been together for for very large stretches. 
and hopefully we can get them back at some point in time. We'll have to take a look at the stats and do a bit of a deep dive after we finish this one. But you pointed this one out, and this sort of gets into the trade talk. It sort of is a bit of a gateway to it, AJ. Michael Scotto I did a bit of an article doing some trade stuff around the league, and I'm going to borrow your tweet and your awesome dancing video of, of Paddy Mills <laughs> on the plane. I love that Paddy Mills video, yeah. <laughs> look, he's having a good time. I, I, look, I love Paddy as an athlete and, and what he has done for Australian basketball, but as an objective Nets fan, oh, come on, Paddy. On Nets but Kingdom, in sa- we call him Big Juice. We call him Big Juice on Nets Kingdom. Big thing. Juice. Look, there's, there's <laughs> the, the Nets have enough juice without Paddy Mills, let's put it that way. But yeah, the yeah. quote from Michael Scotto, and he's pretty tuned in when it comes to trades and transactions around the league. He said this, I don't see Mills, Paddy Mills, being moved December 15 due to his connection with Ben Simmons as a mentor and friend, along with his tie to, ties to Sean Marks as a culture guy. Someone joked with me at Barclays recently that when Mills retires, he could easily work for the Nets. And there were also m- mentions and notions of his relationship with the Nets owner, Joe Sy. Does that make you as frustrated and borderline angry as, as it does for me, AJ? Because Paddy Mills is getting some DNPs right now. And, Look, should he be playing over Cam Thomas? Like the, the him and Cam are sort of like you know the the tenth guy, eleventh guy in the rotation. Where if you had an opportunity to replace him with or put him in a package with to get an upgrade on the roster, which the Nets so sorely need, and whether it's another guy at the point guard position, whether it's another guy at the five position, why why would Sean Marks or Joe Sy like even? Think about not putting him in. It, it'd just be, as I've said before, when it comes to Steve Nash, derelict in their duty if they didn't consider trade options and proposals with Paddy Mills in those packages. Yeah, and it is frustrating, bro. And I've talked about this too on on Knights Kingdom. It's like the problem with this front office and Sean Marks, and it's just that he chooses friends over the right players for the job. Like he chooses relationships over the right players. Or the right um, coaches, coaches, the right staff, the right. You can't. That's not how you kind of run a business. You know, you're supposed to hire the best guy for the job. You know, it's not supposed to just because, you know, you're best friends with a guy and he's great and he's a good person doesn't mean he's the right person for the job, i.e. Steve Nash. You know, it just because you're friends with a guy doesn't mean he's the right person. And with Patty Mills, you know, we love him because of the vibes and he's, a, you know, he's a great guy. But is he going to make us take that leap or he's going to move the needle? No. So it's like you. In the offseason, you had a cho- you had a, ch- a choice. You could have signed Jalen Smith with his uh, with that amount of money. Jalen Smith signed for less than what Patty Mills is making. You know the thing about that. It's another power forward that we could have used. Um, there's a couple of players that I'm I'm missing on the top of my head, but so many players you could have signed that could have helped move the needle for this team. You know, address the issues, the weaknesses, but you decided to give your friend a pay raise. <laughs> you know, a pay raise to stay on the team. So it's like how you. It's, it's so frustrating with this front office, bro. I can't. I can't. Bro. Yeah, nepotism is yeah. it's just no way to, to run a business or run an organization. And you know, the reason why Nick and I like to have our guests on, including you and Saint, is because you guys know hoops. You guys know Nets basketball. We're not picking guys because... And look, we like you as well, so maybe there's some semblance of nepotism to it. <laughs> yeah. But in, in saying that, you know, we could speak for days about our frustrations with Sean Marks and Joe Sy. I want to throw some names at you, and we can have a, a quick discussion about a few of them before we have to wrap this one up. So the guards that you were alluding to, the, here's a few names, and I've got these via Brooklyn Nets 85, who's uh, given a great list. So backup guards, point of attack sort of guys. Alex Caruso, Gary Harris, Corey Joseph, Pat Beverly, Trey Jones, Josh Richardson, Monte Morris, Cody Martin, uh, and Kyle Kuzner in there as a sort of guy as well. 
out of those guys, AJ, there's been some growing optimism around Alex Cruz ever since, since he had that chat with Steve, Steve Kerr and such. Look, I think Alex Cruz would be at the top of the list for me on that. Maybe like, you know, Corey Joseph is a bit more realistic or, or Gary Harris, but, you know, a, a guy that's a little bit smaller. But and, and I've also had discussions with people saying, look, Ben Simmons is a great point of attack defender and that relegates, you know, Royce O'Neill's, you know, responsibilities there. Out of those names, before we get to the bigs, who sticks out to you? Uh, me, uh, like I said, number one is probably Caruso on my list because just because of his defensive capability off the bench. You know, we need that backup point guard. Now, I'm not really keen to how uh, good of a playmaker Caruso is. I got to probably look at more film. But to me, what we need in a backup point guard is the ability to score when you have to in isolation and the ability to pass and be a great playmaker. Those are the two things I'm going to look for. Um, I, I love Monte Morris. I love him. I love his game. Alice Caruso, I like his game. Um, I got Who else was on your list? I forgot. I was, um, Corey Joseph, Pat Beverly. Corey yeah, Corey Joseph is like, and you know, DeLon Wright, those sort of guys are, are the reliable guards that you sort of want from the Nets. And maybe Edmund Sumner is a, a facsimile of those. And look, Sean Marks has done a good job of getting guys, you know, for, for minimum and non-guaranteed contracts like him, TJ Warren, those sort of ones. But, you know, now is when he has to sort of upgrade there. But in terms of the bigs, you know, we've got a couple minutes here. Uh, Vucevic, Mo Bamba, Miles Turner, Marcus Morris, John Collins obviously has gained a, a bit of traction as well. Nas Reed and Kelly Olenek. Uh, look, any or all of those guys would make a, a certain imprint on the Nets. Whether it, and I don't think any of them are perfect. That's the thing. The Nets aren't going to find a perfect guy. Miles Turner probably is the closest thing, but a lot of people are going to be like, he's playing incredible and the Nets aren't going to be able to pay him. He's an expiring contract. Vuce gives you a bit of cost control. D- uh, do any of or do any or all of those names like you know appeal to you at all as a fan, AJ? Oh yeah, those names appeal to me. Um, now the most realistic for me that I think we could, if we were going to make a move, would be John Collins and Mo Bamba. Those two are the standouts. Um, John Collins, like uh, as we spoke about before, our spaces. Uh, he's an athletic six nine power forward. He can space the floor, shoot the three. I think he's a career thirty seven percent shooting from three. You know he can rebound. Eight to ten rebounds a game. He's gonna give you that athleticism too. So you know when he, he can dunk on you in the rim, and then Mo Bamba, you know, he can stretch the floor. He's a terrific rim protector. Um, you can put him at the five. You know, very length has a lot, lot of length. So I love those two. If I'm if I'm gonna be Sean Marks, I'll be definitely looking at John Collins and Mo Bamba. No doubt, and the Nets have been linked to John Collins a, a little bit, and I also think he would fit pretty well in a, in a switching style of system that the Nets do play. But AJ, shout out where everyone can find you, my guy. We've got some stuff, uh, us and the Nets kingdom, cooking behind the scenes as well. We'll let you guys know about that soon. We're going to continue to collab in the future. We love what you guys do, but shout out. Where can everyone find you? Twitter, YouTube, all the fun stuff, Instagram. Uh, you can find us. We're on all socials. Uh, if you type on Nets kingdom on YouTube, we're on YouTube, we're on Instagram, Nets kingdom. 711 underscore we're on tiktok uh nest kingdom underscore and on twitter you can follow nest kingdom aj and saint and the rest of the guys on twitter so we're on all socials and i just want to say uh i really appreciate the brooklyn buzz like i wake up in the morning after games and i look i look i go on youtube and i search hmm, what are the mainstream nets you know talk i look at the undisputed in the first takes but then when i want real nets analysis real nets talk i listen to nick and jack in the morning on, on their podcast and every morning so like i said it's I, I love this podcast and you guys it's a great great podcast 
All love AJ, all love for Nets World, all love for Nets Kingdom, all love for all Nets fans out there. Let's go, Nets. Let's get things going. The kingdom is rising. The buzz is hiving. Let's go, Nets. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.